Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest tells us about the presence of the Lord. Well, I want to talk to you this morning, but before we do, (laughs) we're going to do the charge. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we're going to talk about the presence of the Lord. Amen. First of all, when we speak of the presence of the Lord, we all know that the Lord is with us always. Isn't that right? Hebrews 13, 5, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 20, I am with you always, even unto the end of time. Amen. So when we speak of the presence of the Lord, we're speaking of His manifest presence. Okay? There's something different about the manifest presence of the Lord. To manifest means to make known. So when you have the manifest presence of the Lord, the Lord makes Himself known. Amen? He does so through prophetic utterances, gifts of the Spirit, signs, wonders, miracles. His presence can be felt His presence can be sensed. And when we begin to worship and respond to His presence, we worship Him in spirit and in truth. We sometimes sing in our own language. Sometimes we sing in unknown languages. But it fosters this atmosphere that invites the Lord to make Himself known. Amen? Hallelujah. He begins to heal people's bodies, soothe troubled minds, and break bondages off of those that are bound. Amen? So the presence of the Lord is not a lightweight thing. And as we shared before the service, Psalm 105, verse 4, which we'll see again in a minute, says that we should seek the one who gives us strength. We should seek the presence of the Lord continually. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Psalm 1611. Many of you are familiar with this. It's quoted very often says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. I spent some time breaking this down in the original language, and it's so rich. You know, the English language cannot capture all the nuances. You've got to dig into the Strong's and the lexicon to get a feel for what's really being said here. Let me tell you what this actually says. I'm going to read it to you again in the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read it to you uh, the way that the original language expresses this phrase here. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What this says in the original language is more close to this. It's closer to this. In intimacy, you show me the path of life. That word there, you will show me, that phrase is actual, actually the Hebrew word yada. It means to know intimately. In intimacy, you show me the path of life. In your presence is an abundant overflow of joy. At your right hand, there are delights and pleasures forevermore. Kind of has a little bit deeper meaning when you break it down, doesn't it? Amen. So that's what we mean when we speak of the presence of the Lord. It's not a cliche. It's not just a way of life. 
The Bible says it is the way of life. Seek the strength that comes from Him and pursue His presence continually, the Bible says. Many people run from or avoid the presence of the Lord for a number of reasons. Number one, because of sin in their life. Number two, because they're running from the call of God on their life. Number three, they're angry with God. They blame God for something bad that happened in their life. Or because they simply don't understand the presence of God. And I've got a couple Bible examples that will illustrate all four of these that I just mentioned. Starting with Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 through 10. Now the background here is that Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They sinned. They committed high treason. And they lost their righteousness. They lost their fellowship with God. And so we pick it up here in verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So one of the first reactions when we sin is we run from the presence of God. When we actually should run to the presence of God. And notice the heart of God. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Do you not think that God knew where he was? He knew where he was. He's given Adam an opportunity to come clean. Where are you? Why aren't you in the place where we've been meeting on a regular basis? Why weren't you there waiting for me? Why are you hiding? So he said, Adam, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now the thing I want you to mention or I want you to concentrate on here is that they hid from the presence of God because of the sin in their life. But God actually wanted them to come clean, meet him in the place that they were accustomed to meeting him, and work it out. He said, listen, I wanted you to meet me in the garden where we normally walked and talked together because I have a solution for your dilemma. I've already got a plan laid out before the foundation of the world. And to demonstrate that to them, if you read on, he made clothes for them from animal skins. Why did he do that? Or what's the significance to that? Well, he had to slay those animals and blood had to be shed to provide covering for them because they were naked and they knew they were naked. So God already started implementing his plan to mitigate and push back the effects of sin in the life of Adam and Eve. Amen. So the next time you sin and you blow it, as we all do from time to time, don't run from the presence of God. Run to the presence of God. Stand in His presence knowing that no matter what you've done, it's already been paid for. It's already been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. So the solution has already been uh, delivered and it's already taken care of. So you might as well come to the Lord and say, Lord, I missed it. I blew it. But I know that I have been cleansed and made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Help me not to make that mistake again. Because I know my sins are forgiven. But when I sin, and this is another teaching altogether, I open doors to the enemy to afflict me in my life. And I don't want to do that. So I shut the door on this sin. I ask you to help me not do it again. Amen. That's the proper response. Don't run from the arms of Jesus. Run to the arms of Jesus. Amen. Don't run from the presence of God. Run to the presence of God. All right. Glory to God. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Now everybody knows that Jonah had a call of God on his life. little background. He was called of God, as the scripture will bear out, to prophesy against Nineveh, which was the capital city of the Assyrian nation. The Assyrian nation was an enemy of Israel. They were known for their ruthless barbarity when it came to warfare. They were the terrorists of biblical times. They were known for coming in and capturing enemy soldiers and flaying them alive. That kind of thing. Just to strike terror in the heart of their opponents and their enemies. They were not cool. (laughs) And uh, so, just keep that in mind as we read. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. New King James Version. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. There again, you see somebody running from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, which was a port city, and found a ship going to Tarshish, So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Twice it says in one verse, he was fleeing the presence of the Lord. Why was he fleeing from the presence of the Lord? Well, Jonah ran from the presence of the Lord because he was running from the call of God on his life. Amen? He was headed to Tarshish when he should have been headed to Nineveh. Now, I did a little study, and there's a couple of places they think this Isle of Tarshish might be. Some people think it was close to the rock of Gibraltar in Spain. Other people think it was actually the British Isles. And if you think about it, the world at that time, the Mediterranean Ocean, was about all they knew. So he was going as far as he could go from Nineveh possible without crossing the great unknown Atlantic Ocean, which nobody had crossed at that point. So he went as far as he could, or he planned on going as far as he could from Nineveh okay, to avoid prophesying. Why? He didn't want to do it because he thought he knew better than God of how to deal with the Assyrians. How many have ever been mad at God because of the way he did things and it was different from the way you thought he should do things? Okay. And as a result, maybe you didn't go to church. Maybe you said, I'm not going to participate in the praise and worship because I'm mad at God. You fled from the presence of God because you were mad at Him because He didn't do things your way. We can be real babies, can't we? (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let's look at another biblical example. And this is 13 verses. I hope we can read 13 verses of Scripture in church. Amen. Hallelujah. We have the endurance. We can do it. We have the technology. (laughs) Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 13, in the New King James Version. 
When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. First place you find a Japanese car mentioned in Scripture. (laughs) And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Praise the Lord. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Remember I said some people avoid the presence because they don't understand what's going on. They're confused. These were Jews from all over the known world who spoke different languages from different cultures and they came together and they heard this 120 in the upper room praising God in their own languages and it drew a crowd, but they were confused. They didn't know what was going on. Let's pick it up at verse 7. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Amen. So they were all amazed and perplexed. Again, the Bible says they were confused, they were amazed, and they were perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. And you know what Peter said? These men are not drunk as you suppose. They're just filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is that that the prophet Joel spoke about. That's what you're seeing. That's what you're hearing. Don't be confused. It was prophesied, and now it's been delivered. Amen. Hallelujah. So the answer to people avoiding the presence because they don't understand is to teach them where it is in the Bible. These things are nothing to be afraid of. They are to be embraced. Tongues is a little weird. I'll be the first to admit, I've been talking in tongues for 47 years, 46 years, going on 47. And I still acknowledge that tongues is weird, but it's of God. Hallelujah. It's strange. It's different. It's his way of giving us a language that we can pray to him in such a way that when we pray, we pray perfect intercession for the saints, for our own life, for our country, for our nation. For the world, amen? Who wouldn't want to pray perfect prayers if He gave you the ability to do that, amen? That's what happens when you pray in tongues. Glory to God. That's another lesson altogether. Praise the Lord. So the unbelieving Jews didn't understand the presence of God when He started making Himself known, manifest through mighty signs and wonders. Amen? That's what happens when you come into a service like ours. Sometimes it's a little bit wilder than other times. So far, we haven't have any chandeliers to swing from, but, you know, you know, we haven't had anybody try to do anything like that yet. We haven't had any runners yet. But you know what? When we do have the runners, it's going to be all right. Is it going to hurt you in any way if somebody does a lap around the congregation? No. 
Is it going to hurt you in any way if somebody gets excited and starts shouting and waving their hands and praising God? Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. All right, I'm going to tell a story. And please, do not take this in the wrong way in a racial sense. But we had a service about six weeks ago where, I mean, praise just broke out. I mean, it was just worship. It was awesome. The decibel level went up. The hands went up. And it just, it was just amazing. And Florence was one of the lead worshipers. Florence on this side and Emily even on the other side. And she came up to me afterwards. She said, Pastor Scott, I didn't want to be out of order. I don't don't want to be the loud black lady in your church. I said, what are you talking about? We could use ten more of you. Hallelujah. Please be the loud black lady. Please. Teach us white folks how to get excited about the things of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We should seek the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now the word translated as presence in every passage that I've read so far comes from the word panim. And panim also means before or the face of the Lord. Put those together and to be in His presence is to be before Him as He shows His face in the sense that He manifests Himself. His face is disposed towards you figuratively, sometimes literally, to show Himself strong in your behalf. Amen. Glory to God. 1 Chronicles 16.11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face, which also means seek His presence continually. Very similar to Psalm 105 verse 4. So Psalm 27 verse 8, also in the New King James Version, says, When you said, seek my face, or seek my presence, my heart said to you, your face, your presence, Lord, I will seek. So the Lord is actively encouraging you and asking you, seek my presence. Psalm 105 verse 4 says, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. So it's not just something that we charismatics came up with. We love the presence of God, and therefore, you're a charismatic. No, we love the presence of God. We seek the presence of God because the Lord asks us to seek His presence. Hallelujah. Why? Because in His presence, there is an overflowing abundance of joy. There is intimacy with the Lord in which He shows you the path of life. For you, your personal guidance and direction can come in the presence of the Lord. I was in a meeting, this was in the mid-1990s in California. I was just in the congregation, and there was a couple there, and they were very prophetic. And uh, they called me up, didn't know me from Adam, and said, you got a call, brother. I said, yes, I do. you got a call to teach the Word of God. And I said, yes. Are you aware of that call? I said, yes. He said, then you'll be held accountable for that calling. (laughs) Hallelujah. I said, I'm aware of that, too. I'd always known I was a teacher, but it was powerfully confirmed, and that was in 1994. Okay, was that, 24 years ago? What have I been doing for the last 24 years? Teaching, preaching. What did I do 10 years before we came here? I was the director of a Bible school, and my wife was my administrative assistant. So 
It came to pass in a marvelous way. But it came in the presence. Here's the other thing. This is the other thing I wanted to, to bring out. He said to me, because I had a lot of questions swirling in my mind. At the time, I'm flying for the Air Force Reserve. I flew fighters and bombers while I was in the ministry, in the reserves. You know, go figure that one out. You know, I'm training to kill the bad guys while I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I had a lot of questions about trying to reconcile that whole idea. And and after he said, you're called to teach and you'll be held responsible for that calling, he said, every answer to every question you have can be found in the presence of God. He'll show you the path of life for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In an intimate way that, that only you and he completely understand. In a private kind of way. He'll show you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. We should covet the presence of God. We should seek the presence of God. We should covet the presence of God. I'm going to read from Exodus 33, verse 14 through 16 in the New King James Version. And I want to show you why we should covet the presence of God. This is right before the children of Israel were preparing to go into the promised land. Now at this time, Moses did not know that he would not be the one that would lead them in. So keep that in mind. And this is, verse 14, this is God speaking. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, Moses, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Let me break that down for you. He's basically saying, I hear you saying your presence is going to go with us. But I'm telling you, I got to know for sure. You got to reassure me because if your presence does not go with us, we do not want to go up into the promised land. So just tell us now if you're not fully committed. This is Moses talking to God. And later on he said, look, I'm committed. My presence will go with you. Okay. And the other thing that jumps out at me, why we should covet the presence just like Moses did. He he said, yeah, I hear you. Because I don't want to go unless your presence goes with me. I'm just letting you know, i got to have your presence. we got to have your presence, Lord, when we go to 725 Wellington. we got to have your presence or or we don't want to go to that new facility. I don't want to go to that facility unless we can have the presence stronger than we've had in this place. I want to go. I want the presence to increase. I want your manifest presence to increase in that new place. Here's why. This is what Moses understood. He said, your presence is what separates us or distinguishes us from every other nation on the planet. In the same sense, spirit-filled churches like this, and this is not a haughty statement, you could say it like this. The presence of God is what separates or distinguishes churches like this from other people who are just playing church. Amen? We're not playing church. We're having church. We're not singing about God. We're singing to God. 
We are communing with Him. We are inviting His presence in every service. I don't want it to be, oh man, we had a real stem winder about six weeks ago. The presence of God came in that place. I want that to be said every time we meet. Okay? And part of that is on, on the congregation. You've got to want the presence. You've got to covet the presence. You've got to seek the presence. You've got to refuse to be afraid of the presence when signs, wonders, and miracles start breaking out that you don't completely understand. You know, what's a sign? What's a wonder? Oh, I wonder what that was. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't know. You know, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen went on to be with the Lord many years ago. He used to say it like this. I don't always know when it is the anointing, but I can sure tell you when it's not. <laughs> Amen. And we want the anointing every service. We want his presence every service. Isn't that right? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me top it off with this. You've heard this. Many of you have heard this testimony many, many times. And if it's not on the podcast at least once, it's going to get on there one more time. When we had our last facility, this is going to be now our third facility. We started out in Monkey Junction at 5215 Junction Circle with a quaint little place there, about 3,000 square feet. Then we moved here to the hotel because we had to accommodate a little bit more growth. It wasn't that we were busting at the seams, but we had an opportunity to get out of a three-year lease after one year, and I saw that we would soon grow uh, too large for that space, so I prayed us out of there. Okay? But when we were in that facility in Monkey Junction, I had a vision, and in the vision I was standing in the sanctuary at 5215 Junction Circle. And I was standing in front of the seats, kind of just kind of where I am right now. And uh, a man in a robe walked through the wall, and he came over to me. And the only thing I can remember specifically about his appearance is he had uh, black hair with white, looked like white lightning streaks in his hair. Kind of wild looking, you know. And he came to me, and I knew in my spirit that he was a messenger, a messenger angel perhaps. I knew he was a messenger. And he came to me, he said, the presence of the Lord that you've been cultivating in this place has begun to seep through the walls of the facility and go out into the community and touch the people. And he said, you need to cultivate the presence because if you'll cultivate the presence, Carolina will come for the presence and then I came out of the vision and I immediately started bargaining with God North and South Carolina Lord you didn't specify so be it unto me according to your word North and South Carolina will come for the presence and guess who we have here today we got some folks from South Carolina amen hallelujah glory to God hallelujah so from here on out, you'll probably hear me say this more and more often, and you need to know what I mean when I say Carolina will come for the presence. Okay? Because I'm going to keep saying it. Because the angel said it would happen. And I'm going to say, be it unto me, according to your word, Lord. Carolina will come for the presence at 725 Wellington. Would you like to know something about the name Wellington? 
Wellington just happens to be the same name as the capital of New Zealand. And in the 1920s, a guy by the name of Smith Wigglesworth went there and had a revival. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands were saved, healed, and delivered. We want that same spirit of revival from Wellington, New Zealand to be at 725 Wellington Avenue. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message, The Presence of the Lord. If you would like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. 